Hey, Bridgeway family, can you all agree with me that we need to have the entire Bible animated? Come on, that was the best ever, yeah? Right, well, welcome to the first ever virtual Easter of Bridgeway. Now, I sure hope this is the only one we have to do like that, but man, this is a blast to all be together in our homes, worshiping together as one big body of Christ. I have all kinds of exciting stuff for you today. And the primary message I have for you is the story of Easter, the story of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So I'm so glad that you joined us. I just want to pray for our time and get right into it, shall we? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today is your day when we get to highlight your love, sending your one and only Son down to us to rescue us that Jesus, you emerged out of that tomb victorious and alive. And what that has allowed is life to your children. Holy Spirit, we give you all the praise and glory for being the one that dwells within our heart and leading us into all truth and indeed being our guarantee of a great and glorious future. Lord, would you be glorified today? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I have a story for you, the story of Easter, the story of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, you know that stories are powerful, right? I mean, stories are massive. Now, I want to share with you a few uh, concepts about some myths that maybe you are familiar with, and I want to see if it triggers something just to point out how powerful stories you may even have heard as a child are to you even right now. So if I say any of these words, what do you think of? First one. Loch Ness Monster. True? Not true? You obviously have a picture that just got generated in your mind. Why? You know the story, right? Nessie. That's the name of the Loch Ness Monster, just by the way. Second one, Bigfoot. Do you believe in Bigfoot? Do you call him Sasquatch? Is he a Yeti? I think all those things are probably the same, but the abominable snowman, totally different. All right, moving on. Crop circles. Do you believe in crop circles and what do they mean? Are they alien designs? It's so funny because we all know what this stuff is and we all have these weird opinions about it, but we haven't heard the story of it in a really, really long time, but it just sticks in our minds. Okay, I got a couple other urban legends maybe you've heard of, let's do this. How many of you still think that we only use 10% of our brains? Anybody think about that? Yeah, that's garbage. So. It says, according to PET scans and MRI scans, the whole brain is lit up at all the right times. So yeah, sorry, that's not true. How many of us think that shaving our hair makes it grow back thicker? Man, I've heard that my whole life. Garbage, how do we know that? All it does is blunt off the end because as it goes outward, it's narrow and tapers off at the end. And when you cut it off, it's more blunt. It does not grow back thicker. As a matter of fact, the hair you are shaving is the dead part on the outside, the live part on the inside isn't even affected. So that doesn't make any sense. Last one, you ever heard that cracking your knuckles makes you have arthritis? Man, I think I've even told that to my daughters. That is garbage. How do we know that? Cedar sinai said so. Uh, as a matter of fact, Johns Hopkins said so, and I confirmed it with the ultimate authority, WebMD. All right, moving on. Stories don't just have to be a told tale. They can also be in all forms of art. Art is story and story is art. So let's go through a couple of these things. 
what do you think of when you hear these famous works of art, right? Mona Lisa, I think, mm, boring lady. How about this one, Starry Night? What do you think about that one? You know that one? All right, how about this one, The Last Supper? Uh, how about The Scream? You know that one? Which, by the way, just found out that The Scream, the guy isn't screaming, he's actually blocking his ears from things screaming. All right, moving on. Michelangelo's The Creation of Man. It's at the top of the Sistine Chapel when God's reaching out to man. What do you think of when you see those things? Uh, as a matter of fact, I got a chance a number of years back to go to Italy, and I was in Florence, coolest city ever. And I was in Florence, and we got a chance to go to the Uffizi Art Gallery. This is famous for all these different types of paintings. Uh, it was built in the 1500s, right? So during the Protestant Reformation, all that time, that's actually when this was built. And it has Italian Renaissance artwork from famous artists like Michelangelo, Rembrandt, Raphael, Leonardo da Vinci. And you know what I thought as I walked from room to room looking at these great pieces of art? Boring. Man, it was... <laughs> It was terrible, and that's probably because I'm not an art connoisseur, and I walked around and paid big money to go see a bunch of paintings that I would never hang up in my office. All right, moving on. How about the impact of music? You guys ready to play this game with me? Here we go. When I, when I say ice, ice, baby, you know what it is, right? All right, stop, collaborate, and listen, right? You know that one? Okay, you know what it, were the next lyrics. Yeah, that's embarrassing that you know that. That song is terrible. All right, here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, how about Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? You know that one? Yep, exactly, and you know all the lyrics. This is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, right? You know that, all right, all right. Here we go. Let me tell you a super sad story just to crush your spirit. Uh, I actually was, way before I got married, let's be real clear on that, in case my wife is watching this program, Way before I got married, I was dating somebody and they were far away and things didn't go so well with us. And I went to visit her and on the way to the airport, she played the Whitney Houston song, I Will Always Love You. I'm not what you need. You remember that whole thing? It is so depressing. She played this the whole way. I've hated that song ever since. So, and it will not stop playing. Like every single mall in America plays that stupid song. All right, moving on. Whitney, I know you can't hear me, but it was a really good song. I have just completely degraded it. I apologize. All right, one last thing. Notice how artwork changes. As you go through life, you begin to see it in a different way. Let me tell you one thing about a song. Another depressing song, just to point this out. John Denver's I'm leaving on a jet plane. You remember this song? I'm leaving on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again. Okay, did you know that's about relationships? Yeah, I didn't know that because I sang it when I was seven years old while my basset hound was dying and I sang it over her as she passed away. That was awkward. All right. My whole point is, is that's what it meant. It meant to me, my dog leaving. But when I got older, I was like, oh, wait, this is about relationship. When you have a story, it keeps echoing out and telling you more and more and more material. As you go through life, it morphs with you. That is the power of story. It's why Jesus told parables, right? Jesus told stories because they continue to talk after he stopped. Everyone goes home, they're thinking about it, they're dwelling on it, they're thinking of new aspects of it. Let me give you an example. Jesus told a story 
that we refer to as the prodigal son. And it's a story about a dad who had two boys. One boy decided to say, dad, I wish you were dead. I want the inheritance. I'm done with all this. Blows all the money, ends up super poor and wants to come back. In that culture, they're saying there's no way you're ever gonna be allowed back. You just humiliated your father. But the father, who is the God character, runs out when he sees him coming, embraces him, hugs him, kisses him, restores him fully back to the family, talking about the radical forgiveness and welcoming love of God. Well, now they're gonna throw a big banquet and the older son doesn't wanna have any part of it. He knows what his brother did. He has no respect for his brother. He doesn't wanna go inside, but the dad comes out to him too. And he says, I need you to come in. I'm on the inside. And the brother says, yeah, but he doesn't deserve that. And the point is, nobody deserves that. Here's what's crazy. Do you realize that's where the story ends? With a dad asking the older son to come in, and we don't know if he did or not. Why did Jesus stop there? Because the group he was talking to were the Pharisees. They were the ones that thought they had done everything right, and they didn't understand why Jesus was calling the tax collectors and the sinners and all the oppressed people and all the poor and the outcasts. They didn't understand why he was welcoming in. They thought they were the religious righteous. And Jesus was telling him a story and saying, listen, that dad wanted to bring both boys back in. Are you going to come into the party? Jesus just left it hanging. Man, powerful, powerful story. You know, there are some stories that we just have to tell. Have you ever had a life-changing story? Man, I know I have. There's some stories you got to tell. In the Bible, it talks about, just like we saw in the animation, the woman at the well comes and counters Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Goes back, tells her village, tons of people get saved. Demon-possessed guy. His whole life is wrecked, and Jesus makes everything right and sends him back and says, you got to tell this story to your people. He went back and told the people, and tons believed in Jesus Christ. There's some stories you just have to tell. Now, sometimes you tell people, and you got to help them along. You're going to tell them about the greatness of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that is available, the resurrection of him coming out of the tomb, and they're just not going to be able to track with you. There's a story in the Bible where these four guys grab their friend who can't move. He can't walk. They carry him to Jesus. Sometimes when we tell the story, we got to give people a little bit of help to understand why it's so important. And if they can't get there on their own, we got to emotionally help them get there and understand God's love for them. Man, there's even more stories in the Bible, right? Even if somebody doesn't respond, we still have to tell them the good news. Think about Noah. He was preaching and preaching and preaching, and nobody wanted to get on that boat with him, but he was still telling them how to be saved. You guys, we've got to tell the story of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Do you realize that Christianity spread through the entire known world in a very short amount of time? What? Mouth by word, by word, by word. They told the story to their friends and their friends told other friends and their friends told other friends and it swept the entire known world. You guys, we are the church today and there is a great and glorious message that we celebrate at Easter about Jesus rising from the dead and that story has got to be told. So let's talk about this a little bit. I wanna tell you about the actual story of Easter. 
We all know about the Good Friday that that crucifixion of Jesus Christ dying for our sins ended up in a tomb. When they laid him in that tomb, everybody thought hope was gone. But on that Sunday morning, they saw that the rock had been rolled away, whether Jesus rolled it away or an angel rolled it away for him. They opened up the door for the king and he walked out of there alive and victorious. That is the resurrection truth. I'm just telling you, listen, if you have a Bible, I need you to just turn here with me. Matthew 28, verse 5. Matthew 28, verse 5. I just want to read what the reaction was after Jesus got up and he was gone. The angels hung out a little bit afterwards, and the ladies that were coming to minister to Jesus' body at the tomb saw the angels, and this is what happened. Once again, you can turn with me to Matthew 28, verse 5. We're going to go through verse 10. It says this, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay then, and here's the key, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So the women departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse nine. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid but go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me again. Now, as much as that story is so powerful, it, it, it invites a question in my mind. Why did Jesus have to go back and tell the women to go tell the disciples when the angels already told him to do that? In other words, if an angel tells you and you know it's an angel and he tells you to go do something, I'm gonna suggest that you follow through on that. But now Jesus had to show up again and say, hey, ladies, real quick, ta-da, I'm here. I need you to go tell them. I wasn't kidding when I had my angels tell you that. Why did Jesus have to tell them again? Actually, we find out the truth of that. All we have to do is look in Mark 16, verse 5. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you. This is another account of the exact same story. Listen to this. And entering the tomb, they, the women saw a young man sitting on the right side, that's an angel, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out, and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, quote, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Listen, I don't know why we don't share more of the good news of Jesus Christ with our loved ones. I don't know, maybe for you, it's that you don't have opportunity. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you're afraid of what other people are going to think. Maybe you're you're afraid they're going to ask you a question you don't know the answer to? 
I mean, there's a million reasons why maybe we haven't shared the greatest story ever told. But I'm here to fire you up and tell you people have got to know. This is about their eternal destiny. This is about freedom and forgiveness and joy and the love of God. This is about them connecting back with their creator. This is the story. Well, let's say we're motivated, right? Well, now we're all fired up, right? So how do we tell the story of Jesus? How do we share the one we love with the ones we loved? What do we say? I got two ideas for you real quick. Ask questions and be transparent and relatable. Let me, let me explain what those are. Number one, ask questions. People own what they discover. When we ask questions in a coaching type way, it allows someone to have the time to engage themselves, process themselves, and you stand out of the way and let God talk with them. Because remember, it's God's message, not just our message. And sometimes we end up talking so much, we get in the way. Let God do the powerful, mighty work of transforming a heart. And you go, well, what do you mean questions? Ask him questions. I'm talking about just being normal human being where you say what? Hey, do you believe in God? You don't even have to say, I do. You could just ask them, what about, what do you think happens after we die? These types of conversations are healthy. Do you think God listens to us when we pray? Stuff like that. Do you think Jesus really was who he said he was? These are fair and legitimate questions. And you don't ask them waiting and baiting, waiting to what? Lead them somewhere and then hit them over the head with the truth. You're just honestly asking them so you can hear their heart. Here's the other thing I think we should do. And we got to ask them their story. See, we're, our job as Christians is to arrange a meeting between Jesus and the people that you care about. So the only way we can do that is if we connect God's story to their story. Well, how are you going to do that if you don't know their story? Too often, we as Christians are talk, 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 and we're not listening. One of the most powerful things we can do is listen deeply to other people's stories right? For example, you can say things like this. Tell me about yourself. You can, what? Listen for what's important to them. You can listen for what moves them, good and bad. You can listen for what made them who they are today. So often, we want to start a conversation and tell people about Jesus, but we don't even know anything about the person we're talking to. I think we'd do a lot better to listen and then share rather than just share and assume. The second one I mentioned was to be transparent and relatable. I'm telling you this, nobody wants to hear the greatest story ever told from a super awkward person that just totally changed their personality, that the minute they start talking about Jesus, they suddenly are speaking in Middle English, or they suddenly get all somber and, and stodgy. That's not what we need. Just be who you are and just share what you know. You don't need to know all the facts. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to know all the answers. Just tell them the story that you know. Tell them, tell them stuff that is real and relatable. Tell them things you're learning about God. Why? Because we don't have all the answers. We're still in process. And so maybe sometimes you can just tell people, man, I'm learning about God just like you are. Maybe what? We can do this. We can tell them that we're praying for them personally. Say, you know what, I care about you, and whether or not you believe in God, 
I love you. I'm connected to God. I'm going to talk to him about you because you matter to me. I think that's a wonderful thing to say. How about this? The reason why you're doing okay with this crazy coronavirus, COVID-19 thing is because the Holy Spirit has brought you some understanding and some type of peace because you know that your God is in charge of all things. And you realize that he gets to dictate where the virus can and cannot go, the boundaries of it, and when it is all done, he will shut it down. Just know it's okay to tell people about how God works in our lives. I don't think that's rude. And you know what? Tell them your story. Now, many of Bridgeway knows my story, right? But let me, let me share it with you. Let's say you're brand new to this and you've just joined this. You've never been to Bridgeway before. You don't know me from anybody. Here's my story. I grew up in a single parent home, single mom. I grew up with panic disorder since I was six years old. I would have panic attacks and nobody understood me. Eventually, my mom put me in Christian school. So I had a Christian mom and a Christian school that was giving me information, but I was so scared all the time. Then I got into music and I had a, a, another man in my life show me that you could be passionate and powerful for Jesus. And I started playing music and in heavy metal music. And all of a sudden I got to go out and minister and I got to match my boldness with my knowledge and my love for Jesus because my fear had driven me so deep with the Lord because no one understood me like Jesus did. So when you see me passionate about God, it's because he transformed my life. It's because Jesus is my best friend. He's my hero. He's my everything. Why? Because he's personal to me. And so I talk about him in a personal way. But you know what? Probably the best way to tell a story is to live it. You guys, Easter is a story worth telling. It's a story worth living. Now we gotta embody this truth if we're going to be effective in sharing it with anybody else. There's a huge difference from hearing facts from somebody that intellectually knows something and somebody that is passionate about something. I think we all hate the do as I say, not as I do thing. I think all of us find that super frustrating when a Christian doesn't fully understand or live Jesus and we're trying to tell everybody else what to do just doesn't fly. But I'll tell you, when you live it, it makes a big difference. Let me give you an example. I found out recently about a book that a guy wrote named Rodney Stark. He wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity and he was chronicling how Christianity became so influential. And here's what he said. One of the main reasons was because during the second third and sixth centuries of the Roman Empire, massive plagues hit and were wiping everybody out, but the Christians were loving, the Christians cared for people that were like them and people that weren't like them, and it made such a dramatic difference, and they had a way to explain that their God was bigger than all of this, and it caused Christianity to just rise. This is our time right here during this virus, that we would be the ones that are compassionate, that we're the ones that listen deeply, that we're the ones that share our groceries, that we're the ones that take care of our neighbors, that we're the ones that do what Jesus would do if he was right here in our shoes. You realize that Martin Luther, the guy that led the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, 
Had the bubonic plague, the black plague, go right through his city. It killed his daughter. His son got it. His wife got it. And he said, you know what? As a Christian, I will stay here and I will tell the world the power of Jesus Christ. Man, that's living it. That's hardcore. We got people like that right here at Bridgeway. When all this went down, listen to this. Some of our leaders who run our homeless ministry called Alongside, so Glenn and Deb and everybody else, they got together and did a, uh, a food drive and a clothing drive in their neighborhood where they lived and on their Facebook friends. As a matter of fact, by the time they got done, they had loaded Glenn's car up with 700 items. They then drove them down to one of the ladies that used to attend the ministry when she was homeless, but now had been put in housing. She then was going to become the distribution house to those who had most need. So they drove it down there, and here's what she, a woman named Dee, had to say. Listen to this. To quote her, she said this, There is so much stuff here. I pray that you and everyone that gave and helped to get this food to my friends whom I call family, that you who gave it would be blessed abundantly. You have saved them from hunger and calmed the stress that comes with it. They had nothing and now we have so much. Thank you for loving them like you do. How can anyone deny the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection when his followers are living it out like that? But now the story gets real personal for us. It's not just facts, right? It's transformational truth. What do I mean by that? What does it look like to live like Jesus? I, even though Jesus lived, what, 2,000 years ago, 7,400 miles away from where I am right now, we can still live like him right here, right now. And what does it mean? It means we lead with love and we follow with truth. It means we lead with love and we follow with truth. It means we lead with love we follow a truth. The truth will set us free, but it's got to come in a packaging that is compassionate and loving, or it's never going to get delivered right. Let me answer a little bit more specifically. What does it look like to live out the truth of the Easter message, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I'll give you three things. You might want to write these down. It has to do with our past. It has to do with our present. It has to do with our future. Jesus is alive and active today. That means that as he cares for us and transforms us, as he takes care of our sin problem, we can have these three things. Number one, freedom from the past. Write that down. Freedom from the past. It doesn't matter where you've come from. Why? Because there is no sin that God cannot forgive. There is no situation that God cannot redeem. There is no stain that God cannot lift out. There is no dishonor that God cannot restore. There is no damage that God cannot repair. There is no pollution that he cannot cleanse because our God is able to free us from everything in our past in the name of Jesus. Amen? But there's another one. That's our past, now our present. God can give us peace in the present. Right here, right now, the resurrection means everything. God has the power and gifts for his people for today. Eternal life starts now, not when we die. Jesus is alive. Therefore, if he so chooses, every bondage and addiction can be broken. 
Every relationship can be mended. Every prayer can be answered. Resources will be provided. Anxiety can be quieted. Depression can be lifted. Healing can happen. Why? Because everything bows to the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I'm getting fired up now. Number three, you're writing these down? Number three, it also means hope for our future. Hope for our future. God is not done. He's got so much more. The Bible says that we can't even comprehend the incredible things God has in store for those who love him. For his children, we have a glorious future. Heaven is our retirement community. We have eternal existence in the presence of God. That's our inheritance. You see, once we're there, Every tear will be wiped and dried. Every loss will be filled. Every regret will be washed. Every fear will be cast aside. Every sin will fall away. Every longing will be satisfied. Every stomach will be full. And every body will be transformed and glorified to the glory of Jesus Christ. Listen, I want to wrap this up. This story is for you. He rose again, and he wants you. Right now, what I want to do is I want to lead us through a time to say, if you want that reality, cleansing from your past, peace in the present, and a glorious future, Jesus Christ has said that all that would come to him, they might be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, the Bible says. Therefore, right now is your time. That means right here in the quiet of your own heart, in your own home. It's not about anybody else. You know those people around you. It doesn't matter. This is between you and God. Right now, if you want those freedoms and those blessings to flow into your life, I want you to listen and I want you to pray along with me. And right now, I just if everyone could just bow their heads and close their eyes real quick, I just want to pray, and then I'll get back and talk to what the believers need to do with the material I just gave them. But for right now, this is all about you and Jesus. Right now, you slip up your hand. Right where you're sitting, I know it seems bizarre, I just want you to slip your hand up quietly and just say, God, right here, right now, this pastor's talking about me, and I'm going to pray with you. Here's what we're going to do, and I want you to mean this with all your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we say, I'm sorry for what I have done. I'm sorry for what I've allowed myself to become when you have blessed me and cared for me. I'm sorry that I have turned away from you and lived my own life. I want all that you have for me. So Lord Jesus, in your word, I've been told that you would cleanse me from all my sin and all my past, that you would give me a brand new start, that you would turn a new leaf over for me, that I would be born again and all things would become new. I want that right now in my life. So Jesus, I don't know how to be a Christian. All I know is that I want to respond and I need you to rescue me and I want to be alive. I want the eternal life you have for me right now. Holy Spirit, I want you in my life so that I will always have you and never be alone. I want to be a Christian. So God, whatever it takes, whatever it means, rescue me right here, right now. We ask these things in Jesus' name you prayed that prayer, this is how you walk into the family of God. Welcome.
I got a last couple quick words right here for my, my family right there at Bridgeway. This is a story worth living. This is a story worth telling. It's a story worth everything. Jesus finished his whole mission with a great commission. This is what he said to his followers. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, this is our time. Here, right now, in the darkness, shine as brightly as you can. This is a time we were created for. I love you all, and I will see you soon. God bless you this Easter.